Hi, and welcome to this week's Three Legs Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with Dan, Lee. Where's Chris? I'm, I'm looking at an empty chair. He's still at work. <laughs> we put the T Rex in his place quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right, intro again. <laughs> welcome to this week's Three Legs Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with Dan, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> That was the T-Rex that's replacing Chris. <laughs> it, 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 it is on the chair. Hang on, I'm going to have to get a photo of this. Oh, this, this, this makes for good radio, doesn't it? He's a good, he's a good T-Rex. Right, that's the photo. I will post that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do we have anything to talk about about that Grand Prix that was on yesterday? Nah, we needed a bit of controversy. We didn't get any of that. No, I think it was a straight flag to flag. Mm. Um, bit of controversy. Norris, his wheel fell off. Stroll was that good. That wasn't very good. <laughs> Stroll was good. Um, was there anyone else good? No. Nah. Uh, Ricciardo. In fact, the Renaults. Ricciardo's uh, as, qualified. As predicted by Three Legs, Four Wheels last week. In the alternate universe. Ricciardo's pole time in a car even slightly better than... Uh, sorry, uh, Ricciardo's fourth place time in a car even slightly better than the Renault would have probably seen him on pole. That must have been a fucking blinding lap to put yeah. in fourth. Yeah, I mean Renault have definitely, um, just like we predicted, got their got their pace right this weekend. I hope. So. I hope this is a the start of a change for Renault. It, Are we going to release a director's cut of last week's podcast? You mean heavily edited with more stormtroopers? <laughs> am, am I guessing that like last week's uh, didn't go too well? Um, what did we say? Renault was easily going to be the, fo- the fourth of all the engine suppliers there. Right. Um, that, uh, Honda were... Uh, Honda were absolutely going yeah. absolutely going to storm it. Uh-oh. Um, Racing Point were going to be best of the rest by a long way. <sighs> and um, good, point, good solid points finishes for Haas, I think, got mentioned as well. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> it. Were you doing the podcast in the Upside Down? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> now, I know I was sober. <laughs> Who'd have thought I was the calming, intelligent influence on this? <laughs> Stopped clock. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we managed to get everything about as far wrong as it was possible to get. Yeah, I, we, think, I think you're right. We, we did have a Mercedes win. Yeah, I mean our predictions. Our predictions didn't come out too badly. We all scored yeah. points, so yeah. uh, that that wasn't too bad. But yeah, we've got to got to talk about Renault's performance in qualifying. Yeah, before we before we do the team by team rundown of the race, that was absolutely stunning by both of them. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. They uh, they they were there all weekend on pace. Um, it, I mean, on a power circuit as well. That that's what I find really weird. The only thing that worries me slightly is is that because the um the, the like the cars lacking downforce you know sometimes when you get a a car that does particularly well on power circuits and not because the engine's good it's because they're just lacking a bit of downforce well i don't know because it's not something that they've complained about a lot this season no it's true it's been the brakes hasn't it that the, that that team's been complained about the most mm. but um and maybe it's just the fact Danny Ricardo is getting used to having a car, because I remember I I, it, it, I ended up being accidentally right about it, didn't I? When I I said maybe it's down to having the same same engine as he had in the Red Bull, but not having a Red Bull yeah. around it, and it seems to be the lack of downforce and not having the and, brake pedal underneath him. 
I mean, and it's not an Adrian Newey car, and he's yeah. been in an Adrian Newey car for several years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did. He did say for. I mean, that was a big story for the first three races that he just wasn't getting used to the new car quick mm-hmm. enough, and he seems to have got a handle on it now. Well, when you think about it, take apart from the what? What did he do? Um, did he do half a season with the that fucking terrible team? What's H- HRT. Yeah, was it half a season or like two races or something? He, he didn't do a full year, did he? No, he didn't. Um, did he, re- I want to say, replace Narain Carter K mm. at one point? There was oh. more men in and out of that car than there is the porn star. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he came in came in partway through the season and then, before he went to Toro Rosso. So he's had Adrian Newey cars or Adrian Newey influenced cars. Yeah. Basically, since his first full season in F1. And yeah, it, there is going to be a transition period. Mm. And unfortunately, he's had to do it in public in a very high profile way. Yeah. Because he was the big mover the off season. Yeah, the I mean, season. he's. You don't, you don't think of it now because of where he is on the grid, but. Up till he moved teams to a to a team that isn't quite as good as Red Bull, yet you'd have had him in the top four drivers on the grid, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, Got so. poles, won races. Yeah, in a car that shouldn't have won races. Yeah, yeah. O- outside of for a championship. Yeah. So yeah, I think I really hope that the cars come together. He's getting used to it, and Hulk as well seemed to do a bloody stable performance as well yeah and it was a stable performance but you'd almost argue that Hulk seems to think that he he had a bad weekend when you see it so he obviously thinks there was more that he'd left on the table than he actually did he had problems in the race didn't he I don't remember he did get team ordered Mm, I know he got team ordered but I think there was something as well where was there a power delivery issue or a heat heat oh gearbox he was complaining about slow up shifts wasn't he well Talk about that in a bit more yeah. detail, but we'll uh, we'll do our usual and go to the back. And mm-hmm. Williams weren't last and last but one. No, no, Russell was putting in a decent performance on genuine pace. To be fair, um, even though that they weren't last and last but one, um, Robert Kubica did do his very best to try and make up for this on his own. By he, you, you know, when you get pissed off when you're playing the Formula One game and you just turn around and drive backwards. Yeah. He got, but no, but be, because George Russell only got lapped once, did he get lapped once or twice? I think it was twice. twice yeah. yeah. So so Robert Kubica went out and got himself lapped an extra time just to try and make up for the fact. <laughs> I still can't, I can't remember where that all of a sudden 30 second gap came from. Did he have a spin or something? No. Nope. I don't think there's any problems that I saw and I keep it a bit of an eye on this to see how things are going. He did take a second pit stop. Um, yes. But then he lost more time after that. Yeah. I mean, at one, at one point, he was lapping six seconds George off Russell the leader's pace. Him, yeah. Yeah. So that's more than a pit stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's a pit stop if you're reading a paper. <laughs> <laughs> so nipped out, sat in the back of the garage on the bog, copy yeah. copy of this week's Autosport, other motor racing magazines are available. Sounds like a perfectly good way to spend a Sunday afternoon to me. Sat there working out like management strategies with Claire. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, throwing darts at a wall. <laughs> with his strong hands. Managed to get three picture cards and went home with a goldfish. <laughs> um, yeah, another weekend, pretty much as expected for Williams, except... No, not really. The worst, the worst signs that George Russell can get something decent out of the car. He beat Magnussen. Yeah. So that that's a stunning weekend in for the Williams. Wor- in the worst car that Magnussen's ever driven. Yeah, here's an idea, Magnussen. If you've got a perfectly good working Formula One car, don't throw it into a wall and then complain when it's been put back in eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm throwing this one out there now. Gunter Steiner for Hero of the Week for his radio bollocking. He's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He sat him down. He's just like, no, lad, listen to me now. It's great. He stuck him on the naughty step. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, seeing, seeing as we have moved on to Haas, um, oh, God, they sucked. Right. Grosje, in in Gro- qualifying, do you think Magnussen deserved a penalty for uh, unsafe rejoin of the track after hitting the wall he ne- with he only dis- two we- wheels? He which- nearly got one for unsafe rejoining of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> which one? When he bounced off the wall of Champions or when he bounced off the wall on the other side uh, of the track? It could have been, it could have been both. Uh, on the other side. <laughs> I'd, I'd just like to say, though, we, we, we uh, knock Roman Grosjean. No, 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 he usually knocks somebody else. Yeah, but we like to be fair, with jokes aside, we knock Roman Grosjean quite a lot. But I'd like to turn around and say what a good man that was for the compassion he showed his teammate. <laughs> now, I've, I've seen the video, and it, the, the official F1 video, it had the subtitles on. He did say Kev twice. And then, oh, fucking hell, I've got the worst look in the world. Grosjean <laughs> is now claiming that he is at the Bad Luck Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? He finished fourth. <laughs> See, <laughs> Missed I mean, the podium in that as well. It, it, I mean, when he returned around and said, I have the best, better, the worst look in the world, he still didn't know. Whether, he had four wheels on his car and yep. didn't know if his teammate was dead. I was just going to say, <laughs> he didn't know whether Kevin Magnuson's body and consciousness were part of the same vessel. <laughs> have you ever seen an accident in Formula One where the teammate doesn't say, is, is my right? teammate all right? I've never seen somebody drive past a crash in Formula One where they turn around and say, "Is he all right?" You know, it's, yeah. you, you, this is it's, oh, it's so weird, uh, and definitely not. Oh, that's going to be so bad for me. <laughs> just, just for that and that alone, he deserves to be knocked out. Yeah, by Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm fairly sure, and there's nothing, nothing been released, but um, Herr Steiner will probably have a few words to say, or Signor Steiner, I keep mm. forgetting he's Italian. Um, talking, talking of Gunter Steiner, you know how the end of the race, the teams usually release long, massive statements about what they did and how they did, and there's all these quotes. I am going to read Gunter Steiner's entire... Post-race press release. Okay. Are you sitting comfortably? I'm eagerly anticipating. Right. This this may take a while. Have you all been to the toilet? Have you all got a drink in front of you? Do, no, yes, but just before you start, I have just realised that Gunter Steiner sounds like um, it's part of some sort of strange, sm- like small European language based on German, and it means large beer. <laughs> <laughs> right. You ready for this? This weekend didn't end better than yesterday. We got two cars to the end. But the result is quite disappointing. That's it. It pretty much sums up the race, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... All right, Magnussen did have the speed to get into Q3 at that point. But I think he would have been knocked out if he hadn't have crashed. 
I think he'd, I think he'd have got through into Q three because he was looking good. And would he've got another run? No, because the, um, the time was up when he crashed. Right. So there was there were faster cars behind him because um, Grosjean was actually on a faster lap than K Mag's fastest one. Right. Which would have knocked him down, and Verstappen was on a faster lap as well. Yeah, it depends where he popped himself, but the. Yeah, I I don't know. He he seemed to have the legs on Grosjean all weekend, and it's I I can see where his frustration came from, because they they keep doing this to themselves, don't they? They they seem to have a terrible race car. It, yeah, you know they they seem to be able to do it in qualifying, then they've got a terrible race car. Well, according to Steiner in a in a separate interview, not the official press release. What he said they did with Magnussen's car was try a completely different setup just to experiment and see if it worked because they had the opportunity to because they were starting from the pit stop. They removed the brakes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they put Grosjean's brakes on because apparently they never work anyway. <laughs> and um, it was the setup that he was complaining about, not the quality of build of the car. Right. This sounds partially true, partial spin to me. Sounds like spin to me because it seemed to be gone pretty well the day before. Yeah, but they, if they tried a dif- tried a different setup to what they they've been using the day, no, they could because they were starting from the pit lane. But you, I, I you yeah, still... they, they were breaking Park Fermi. So... They had to break Park Fermi because he needed. A new oh, so you, so you can see, so you can still set everything up differently. If you if you give up your grid slot and start from the pit lane, you can do whatever the hell you want. Oh right, because I was I thought you could still only adjust the front wing in that no, case. No, you can you can change everything. Right, okay. If, yeah, if you break Park Fermi conditions, yeah. and start from the pit lane. You can you can do whatever you want because he. He raced in a different chassis but to the one he qualified in. Why would you do that? Like considering he was going well on Saturday, it's not like he. It's not like the car was doing badly, and it was like, oh well, fucking hell, lads, we might as well just do this because it's going to be bad anyway. Maybe they'd set the car up in some kind of trim for one lap pace for qualifying, get into Q three, and then hope to God the tyres hold out. Yeah, it just it seems. It just seems like a massive mistake, doesn't it? I mean, don't, don't forget when you got a teammate that's one of the most likely to bring out an early safety car, and if you're going to be starting on softs and want an early pit stop to take advantage of it, mm. then you might as you might as well do that. Stick the hard tyres on, and then just become a rolling roadblock in, say, eighth or ninth place, holding everybody up. You go home with points. Yeah. Whereas when they've got the opportunity to change it, so that the car's going to be easier on tyres, maybe, right? And you can actually race. Give it a go. And it failed. Yeah. Big style. Mm. Yeah, they were way lower than their qualifying suggested they should be. I mean, what was it? Tenth uh, and Grosjean. Grosjean actually didn't set a time in Q2 because he aborted his first lap because he flat spotted. Mm -hmm. But um, he was quite high up in Q1. So, yeah, the the pace was there for him to be. But, yeah. but they're always there in qualifying. You know, we've seen this before with them, and then. So is this the car or is it strategy? I think it's the car. Because they, it's not like they're up there for for half the race until it's time to go into the time to stop. They just seem to start the race and then slowly fall backwards from there. I mean, the problem the problem that they've been saying is like Ferrari. Well, just like Ferrari, they can't get can't get enough heat into the tires to make them work. Mm. But um, they had a chance to run on the hardest available compound, which the hard tires were the C threes, mm. which is slap bang in the middle. So they didn't have to worry about getting as much heat into the harder tires. 
But that's, that still didn't happen. I mean, Grosjean had a bit of a problem at the start when um, when he was collecting everybody's front wing. Yeah. Especially on his halo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. He did, a, he did a good job clearing all the crap out of his eyeline and uh, mm-hmm. getting, getting moving again. It wasn't his fault he took to the escape road either, did he? He took the escape road to avoid an accident. It wasn't just a normal Grosjean throwing it into the first corner and going, oh, I can't do it. No, there, there was... It, the, he had a lump of car on his face. Yeah. Yeah, there was Alban and a racing point next to him and bits of Alban's front wing mm-hmm. right, in, right in his visor. It's unfortunate for Alban because obviously Kvyat did well later on. You know, it's, I think Alban could have made his way through with the car he had under yeah. him as well. Yeah, uh, I'll get to Toro Rosso later. We've got, um, got Alpha next. Back to the old Sauber days. of a little bit anonymous this weekend. And Kimmy, like, Kimmy's been smashing it. But I, I'm I'm kind of wondering whether the... Is it been since Spain that Alpha have been on the way down? I think it's been since Australia. They've just mm. not not quite ever been as good as we thought they should. It just makes makes you wonder whether whatever their updates they've been bringing have, you know, they've gone a the wrong way with development or, they, you know, they've brought a major update to the car and it just hasn't worked somewhere down the line. We haven't heard about it. Because that's what it seems to be. It seems everyone else has took a step forward but, and they've just stayed where they are. This might be a stupid question, but have they got the Ferrari-style front wing? I don't know. No, I don't think so, because there was... There was a big um, talk about their front wing, wasn't there, when they first put it on? And I actually think Ferrari, didn't they take something from there? Didn't they develop, like, all of a sudden turn up with a more alpha-style front wing? I'm just... Yeah, because... They've, they've got the eyelashes. No one else has got the eyelashes on the car. Because Scarps was saying that that sort of front wing looks like it might not have too much um, scope for developing it. Yeah. Let's have a look. There's um, the Alpha front wing is stacked towards the middle, and Ferraris is stacked towards the outside. Right, right. So they are using the same concept as Mercedes. Mm. So it's 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 not that. Yeah. And of course, you never get to hear how the car's performing from Kimi during the weekend. Nope. And and you never hear from Giovinazzi during the weekend. No. Did you hear what he said after qualifying? No, I missed that. More classic Kimmy. Um, Buxton turned around to him and said... Oh, another one. Do you think uh, the problems Alpha is having is a hangover from the last race? He said, I wish I had a hangover. <laughs> yes, I did hear that. <laughs> In fact, I retweeted that one. <clears throat> yeah, that was, it, was a, it was a real non-race. You didn't, you didn't see him do anything. An anonymous 13th and 15th place. I think it's, it's another one of those. Like, Giovinazzi... I think it was just a poor race. Kimi is, he's clearly in this place, isn't he, where if the car's working and he's happy in the car, he seems to get good results. But Kimi never, ever been the driver to drag a result out of a bad car. No. No, that's, that, that is, that's basically been his whole career. Yeah. And... You know, I'd, I'd like I'd like to see Kimi go out in a blaze of glory. I know he's got a two year two year contract mm. with them, but yeah, no contracts in F one aren't worth the paper they're written on usually. So we could be seeing Kimi's last season. Oh my god, didn't we say that when we oh, no, first I, started I, the show four years he, ago? Yeah. I think he'll be in Formula One next year. I I I still think there's a chance that he might end up back in Ferrari. 
I think he might end up back in Ferrari if Seb decides to chuck the towel in, which I I think is becoming more and more likely. There were some some statements on Sunday that uh, definitely mm. made it sound like it. Right, the last of the non-point scoring teams that we have is McLaren. Lando was on fire this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, his wheels weren't put and they're pointing in the same direction. I, that was such a weird failure. I've never seen anything like that. I've, I've never seen a brake melt suspension before. No, something's... I think there's been a a couple of things happen there. You know, like some sort of... Um, f- some sort of fuck-up in manufacturing a part of the suspension and a brake fire, yeah. fire or something. I don't... I'm, I'm not having it that a brake fire is just burnt through carbon fibre. Do you know what I mean? Unless there's something wrong with the carbon fibre. I'm going to quote a message we got from um, one of our listeners, Michael Incognito, who was uh, who was there this weekend. Yeah. After Lando went out. I wonder if anyone saw him. Oh. It's not my fault, it's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Turn one smells like burnt tyres and fuel. Loving it. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Did point out that's what the Alaman smell usually smells like this time of year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, science running a good one, but then um, ran into problems late on. Yeah, he got uh, tear off in his brake caliper or something, didn't he? First, first lap on it. He got. He, I think it turned out. Was he, it? He pitted on like lap two. Yeah. He was. He was in incredibly early. Yeah. He, and then he did because that, that's why he had no pace towards the end of the race is because he did the whole set the whole race was it on mediums was that the Hard. hardest tyre was it hard yeah no but I think was the medium the hardest tyre C3s were the hard tyre yeah. this week so he did it on the white wall tyres yeah 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 so um, which have been mediums before yeah the, yeah it's uh, they're meant to simplify it and we're still getting confused yeah unenviable position isn't it that you know, when your strategies give you fucking absolutely nowhere to go with it. Well, I think if um, if he picked if he'd picked something up, and um, there was going to be problems, mm. then I think they wanted to bring him in. Must have wanted to bring him in and check the car, and thought might as well switch the strategy now. Well, even um, if you've got something in your brake duct or something, you know, it's even even perfectly working brakes can go. Yeah, in Canada, it's a heavy. Mm. Heavy break circuit. I mean, don't don't forget as well. Putting putting early in Canada isn't as much of a gamble as it is at other circuits because was it fifty percent of races have had a safety car since the safety car was brought in. Mm. So you know the, there is there is a chance that you'll get time to change things on the fly. There is a chance, but how how many races are we seeing lately where people are gambling on safety cars and it's fucking them up? Whenever somebody leaves somebody out going, oh, well, there might be a safety car, it just ends up with them being about 18 seconds behind who they were chasing. I'll, t- I'll tell you what happens. One one of the teams says to one of the drivers, we'll keep you out in case there's a safety car. Roman Grosjean, hold my beer because I want to drive carefully. I thought what, what was usually said uh, in those situations is someone turns around to a driver and says, we're going to keep you out in case, uh, in case there's a safety car. Did you hear that, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> We've just got Pat Simmons on the pit wall to pass this message on to you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bit of an unfortunate one for McLaren, but the pace is there. It yeah. was a good weekend for them, mm. even if it was a crap Sunday. Mm. Mm. Friday and Saturday, fantastic. Yep. 
Um, yeah, you you can't you can't really say anything about two two incidents of pure dumb luck. Yeah, same with it was a shame. Um, Carlos got his grid drop as well. Yeah, he got a three place grid drop for holding up Alban. Yes. So yeah, that was another shame. But I mean, I think Carlos seems to be a driver's reborn a little bit in McLaren, doesn't he? He's not. He's not. I've said. I've said this before. He's not got the perennial threat of Helmut Marco hanging over his head. Yeah, and that, as we know, destroys drivers. I think all he needs to do now is Talk, talking of which. One of the one of the publications, can't remember which, is Panic Magazine, I think. They released their list of the hundred most influential people in F one this year, and I take issue with the fact that Dietrich Mateschitz was above Helmut Marco in that list. I think that's utter, utterly wrong. Yeah, because I mean, it's Helmut Marco that decides whether someone lives or dies. Dietrich Mateschitz just gives him the money to kill them with. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. No idea. But the uh, what about Carlos? I think what he needs to do is he seems to need more self belief because he's con- he's constantly saying something's going to go wrong before even anything goes wrong. Um, I can't help thinking that maybe. That might be his downfall when it comes to actually taking that next step. Possibly. Mm. Could be one of those drivers who, if they get a lucky race win one, once mm. in their career, will suddenly go on to be five times world champion. He, but he doesn't seem to have that... He doesn't seem to have that ruthless sort of competitiveness about him. You know, it's he seems quite mild all the time. And then even when he's got a good car underneath him, he he seems to find an issue with it. Oh, there's this or there's that, and you just think, well, just fucking at least, even if you don't, even if you don't believe what you're what you're saying, just say something more positive, just to put those sort yeah. of vibes out there about it. Yeah, it could be, but I mean, that's that's the way that F1 drivers have always been. Yeah, for the the vast majority, I think there's a difference between um, like Lewis Hamilton when he'll big up another team, but he does it in a very confident way, to what Carlos Sainz does when he's knocking his own his own chances because he thinks something's going to go wrong. You know, there's no there's no arrogance behind what he's doing, or no well, no confidence. A pessimist is never disappointed. This is true. <laughs> One of the best 90s indie songs as well, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, right, Toro Rosso. Alban, DNF, nearly DN make it to turn two. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Racing, racing incident? Yeah, he, became yeah. A, he was a sandwich, wasn't he? He was, he was the filling in a... Was it a, a, a Grosjean? Not Grosjean. No, yeah, but he had a race, racing point either side with um, Grosjean nearly ramming into him when he had to... Was it the, the two racing points, was yeah. it? Right. I, I couldn't remember who the other car... I knew, I knew no, one I think, of them. I think Stroll wasn't involved in that because I remember being surprised. It was Perez on one side. Was it... Was it one of the alphas on the other side? Was it an alpha? Oh, it could have, might yeah. have been Giovinazzi. That might have been his first excursion of the weekend. Possibly. I yeah. think it was Giovinazzi. No, I, I just, I, I, I just thought it was, um, it was a pair of racing points. But um, lost, lost his front wing and put him well down. Yeah, well down on time. I think it was. Uh, by the time he got back to the pits, I think he he came out something like fifty seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. 
I do struggle to work out sometimes why, uh, especially if you've got a car which isn't going particularly well in in an age of Formula One where we've got such good reliability and so few parts to be had. I don't see the point in continuing sometimes. Gambling on a safety car, maybe. You gamble on a safety, yeah. But even so, you. If if you're only if there's only like the smallest chance of you score, scoring a point, but getting a whole fucking race on your car, where if not not getting that race on your car might mean that you end up having to serve penalties that race later and make, and get a benefit in qualifying. Well, I think uh, he, I think he was on the last race for this engine because Honda or uh, Toro Rosso were certainly still on schedule. Right, okay. And I think Albon's due to get his only his second engine of the mm. year next week. Right. Uh, cool. Well, week after next. Yeah, yeah. So it, if that if that was the case, it then wouldn't have mattered too there's much. There's every point in carrying on because yeah. If nothing else, you get a free test out of it. You don't, don't they usually slap a new engine in for Canada, though? Isn't that usually one of the change races? Usually, but I think um, I think Honda's next development is due next week. Right, okay. I think the other thing as well is you've got a team of, what is it, about 50 go to a Grand Prix from each, yeah. from each team. So 50 mechanics and staff who have uprooted their lives for a weekend, mm. you're not going to do two laps and say, oh, the nose fell off, we're not going to win this one. I think the, I, I think a big, the bigger picture is Formula One, though, isn't it? It's, I, I just I don't understand sometimes having cars pootle around at the back. I know somebody's got to be last, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But when you've got a semi-competitive car, which is a point scorer, it just seems weird putting all the mileage on the parts. There's also the sponsors as well. And, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a very good point. I didn't think of sponsors. But. You know, because if you're still on track, there's a chance of TV time and yeah. a lot of sponsorship contracts. There's extra payments written in for how much TV time you get in a yeah. particular race, even if you're being lapped. Yeah, you're still get, you're still getting that logo in front of in front of the millions, millions of people. people. Yeah. So, and like I say, with Canada, you never you never know if there's going to be a safety car. Um, Kvyat, great, great move to get himself into the points because he he was he was looking nailed on for twelfth. Yeah, another good race by him. You know, it's the uh, was it Gasly? Was Gasly tucked up behind him? Was he racing Gasly at some point? Probably was. He, yeah. he, he does seem to be most weeks. I think I, I think he was because I know he, Gasly had a problem with uh, someone else as well, but um, he does seem to be outperforming that car a little bit, Kvyat. That's yeah. I, I think he's doing a really good job at maybe making a a case for himself going to being in a different team. You know, when he, when Red Bull have eventually decide they've had enough of him. Well, because of his experience in endurance. Oh, sorry, that Wrong was last one. year. That was last yeah. year's Toro Rosso excuse. Sorry. Yeah, that's a different Toro Rosso driver who's ended up at Ferrari, <laughs> <laughs> piloting the sim as well. Yeah. Notice he was there this weekend. Yep. Who? Brendan Hartley. Oh, was he? Yes. They made him do a very awkward photo shoot with one of the Montreal Canadian ice hockey players. Right, okay. Sorry, Canadiens yeah. ice hockey players. And you could tell just from the pictures that neither of them knew who the other one was. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine ice hockey's big in New Zealand. Probably not. Mm. Any Kiwi listeners want to tell me, tell me something different, please feel free, but yeah... I, is ice hockey big anywhere that isn't Canada or Chicago? 
I've been to see the Slough Jets play. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> I once got offered tickets to a Bradford, I can't remember what they're called, game. Um, it's massive in Northern Ireland. Is it? Yeah, the um, the arena in Belfast, they've got a home team there. Um, I think they get something like 12,000, 13,000 in there every home wow. match. It's huge in Russia as well. Crazy. But that aside, Kvyat, who does like ice hockey. Being Russian. Being mm. Russian. Great race. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Racing points. Talking of great races. Yeah. Man of the match. That is, is that Lance Stroll's race for this season? Uh, he might have another one somewhere. We've got another couple of street circuits coming. <laughs> but um, Well, we said it, didn't we? I, I think, oh, I, I said at the... The, not obviously the podcast before last that he always goes well in Canada yeah home advantage well, yeah but I mean was it was it Schumacher that was the first one to say you always you always get a couple of extra tents from your home crowd uh, yeah but even so it's still Stroll <laughs> <laughs> I mean a couple, couple of extra tents should have put him in 14th with the pace what the pace of the car looked like in qualifying yeah he well, ra- racing point had a crap Friday and a crap Saturday didn't they mm-hmm. yeah I mean, Stroll hasn't had a good Saturday. Anyway, since Monza, I'm surprised. It, it is it is fortunate for him that Canada seems to be his race. And <laughs> um, considering considering it was using the old spec engine as well, because by God, did he light that up? Yeah, uh, oh, the bloody... Um, the on, the, the on odds were well long of him getting points as well. On so, an outlap as well. Yeah. And that really shit Mercedes up. Yeah. So much so that it nearly happened against a Lewis. But, um, yeah, to um, to drag an engine that was one spec behind every other Mercedes car on the grid into ninth and do the job on his teammate as well. I did the job on... Um, but, uh, Bottas as well, didn't he? From O'Reilly, yeah, but he held Bottas up something fierce for a while. He he was doing a, he was doing a good job backing him up. Yeah, nearly as good a job as Ricardo. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, Perez didn't seem to have it this weekend. He's, no, you know it's 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 a circuit where you can run your tires long. He's good at running doing longer stints on tires. Mm-hmm. So that set of hards he was running at the end should have been pretty bloody immaculate by the by the time he got there, and he should he should have been further up than he was. You'd have fancied him like any any other day, you know, if you'd have turned around and said that um, he's going to have a reasonably good race car and it's going to be like tire limited. You'd have fancied him for a point 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 finished yeah. any any day. Yeah, it, um, he was just phoning it in. I don't know if he was phoning it in. I don't think he had the pace. I don't think he was just pootling around, not being bothered. I think he couldn't get it hooked up. Yeah. Just uh... No one is going to be beaten by Stroll if they have the opportunity not to be in the same car. Yeah, I, I think two ha- two what? things happened. Perez had a crap race. Stroll had a great race. Yeah. I don't know. You say nobody's going to be beaten by Stroll if they've got the opportunity not to be. Mm. Um, the radio message is that we don't hear how many times he is he being told not to be. Daddy's special soldier. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's happening. I think he's... I, I know Stroll's bringing a lot of money into that team, but also so is Perez. You know, he's bringing enough money in that team, that team to hold his own. And 
Perez saved the team last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Daddy Stroll might have done as well, but yeah. without Perez. Also, I think that if anything, that shows that Perez is more than adequate to know his legal wranglings. You know, yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't think that sort of stuff's going to happen. I'm pretty convinced that his backers that he seems to mention at every available opportunity do have good legal teams in as well. Yeah. All right, Renault. Um, for me, team of the week. I think you're probably right. Yeah. By rights, from what we've seen this season and the performances that we've seen, forget forget who's driving the car, mm-hmm. but the way that they've only been able to drive the car this season, they didn't... They There was no way they should have qualified where they did based on previous form. There's no way they should have finished where they did on previous form. That was outstanding from everyone concerned in the team. Yeah. From yeah. whoever built the car to Danny and Hulk that were driving it. I just hope it's a turn and not a blip. Yeah. You know, I hope it's I hope it's a turn of form and not just the that one result which like proves the rule of them being like being lost at sea. Mm. And Danny Rick said after the race that he loved messing with Bottas. <laughs> holding, <laughs> holding him up and basically ru- ruining his Sunday. <laughs> you will find an innuendo in anything. His name is Bot Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> Although everyone in America seems to call him Botas. Yeah. Which is a nasty condition you get from doing too much rowing. Oh. I'm allowed them as well. Oh. Uh, but <laughs> You make me sound like Dave Chappelle sometimes. <laughs> Doesn't he keep retiring? Yeah, but then he, comes, <laughs> then he keeps coming back and being brilliant, as I am doing on this podcast. Oh, what, retiring? No. So, anyway, um, yeah, Hulk in his tradition, traditional seventh place. Yeah. But not the high, not the highest Renault finisher. Nope. Yeah, like you say, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to hope that Renault have, have turned the corner. And we well, the get... power is clearly there. It has to be there. If they can do well on a power circuit, I'm not saying they're going to go and win a world championship or races this year, but it shows that they're getting there. Just hope they haven't peaked one race too soon because it's their home race in two weeks. But it's a chassis-dependent circuit, though, isn't it? The uh, Paul Ricard. Um, I, th- I think it's it's kind it's kind of a mix. It, it's quite fast, isn't it? There are there are some decent straights on there. All right, you got the you got the two. But isn't huge it, isn't it fast because you isn't it fast because you got like the long sweeping corners? Yeah, it's not it's not fast it's... in the same way Canada's fast. I don't know. They've got they've got a, they've got a long straight just with a couple of chicanes in it. Yeah, but every car, every circuit's got a long straight somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I, they just seem like very different this circuits. Is than, this is this is longer and faster than say Monaco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if uh, if Ricardo would have won that race, he'd have probably gone and they renamed it the Paul Ricardo Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are they are definitely on the up. I hope R- so. Red Bull calling this one binary. Well, that's Red Bull this year. Yeah. Interesting quote by Max on Saturday after qualifying when Grosjean basically stopped him getting through to Q3. Uh, Magnussen. See, force of habit. I'm, I'm referencing your tweet here. Anyone thought that? Anyone else thought that was Grosjean? Was, was Magnussen's quote, I'm that much faster than my teammate when we both get out of the cars. I've aged more. 
But, yeah, interesting quote from Verstappen after qualifying. If nothing unusual happens, I'll finish fifth. So he was already he was already saying, even though he, was quali- he qualified behind Gasly, he was going to beat him. Yeah. That's re- a subtle way of unless he pencil that- Unless he penciled Gasly in for the win. <laughs> he <laughs> might have thought he'd beat too. Bottas. <laughs> yeah, it's... I I, um, that, he, I I just think that's Max throwing complete shade. Right? Do we say? Uh, do you think? I don't. I don't think he's throwing shade. Because I don't think there's any need to. I I genuinely don't. I I don't think there was any malice in that comment. I just think that's him saying, "If everything's all right, I should finish about fifth. He's not thinking about his teammate. There's no point it, playing mind games. I yeah. I don't think he's playing mind games, but I do think. He meant that he would finish ahead of his teammate. Oh, he probably, he probably did think. But about I think it. that's just telling it like it is. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think he was saying that to the press to get to his teammate. Or to oh no, his no, teammate no. Down. no, he was just saying that as a matter of fact. Yeah, you know, it, basically what he was saying was, "I am the fact I am in the fastest Red Bull. I am gonna I am gonna beat my teammate anyway." Yeah, it's it's like sitting down with the Penguins to play chess and then cheering when you win. <laughs> <laughs> Never tried that. <laughs> yeah, what are Gasly's problems? Uh, I don't. I I think he's uh, maybe he's brought up a year early, but he just looks out of his depth at the minute. Yeah, in the Toro Rosso, he looked like a fast, racy driver and someone who could possibly sit alongside Verstappen. But he only had two good races, in, as I can remember, like two outstanding races. I think. I think. I think yeah. there were. Yeah, there were two outstanding races, yeah. but. If and, you were just watching him in the race. And, and Brendan Hartley as a teammate. Yeah. I think that's what might be the that, big that factor That flattered here. him a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brendan Hartley was not the ideal teammate to have. But Good hair. <laughs> Good hair. Not these days. Have you seen it? No. Oh, dear. Though I do wonder, maybe Max is playing mind games and screwing him over. I don't think he has to. See, that's the thing. I th- it's in the same way as I don't, I don't think Alonso would have had to play mind games with uh, Van, Van Dorn. I just think that it's the mind game he's got is in the same way as almost like a Bottas-Hamilton situation, although obviously Bottas and Hamilton are closer. But Lewis has that feeling that if, if I get into the car and everything works well, I should finish ahead of you yeah. just because I'm faster. I mean, also, don't forget, Max is his father's son, so he's probably challenging him to a fight at the same time. Yes. <laughs> but, right, the the main thing uh, take-home here is, is do you think Red Bull have to be thinking now about replacing Gasly before the end of the year? No, I think he's going to see the year out. Right, but they're hemorrhaging points. Not on the, and not only are they hemorrhaging points, I think the big, big issue they've got is, is one thing Red Bull are really good at is race strategy. Yeah, and right now they're sending Max Verstappen to war on his own. He's got there's nothing like even um, like Ferrari have got Charles Leclerc there, which is always up there with uh, Vettel. So if if they want to, they can split the strategies. They can do something like that they can try and force Mercedes into making a stop when they don't want to. I mean, what like what can they force anyone to do with? Uh, Gasly. Right, you say Red Bull hemorrhaging, hem- hemorrhaging points. 
Um, they are 94 ahead of McLaren in fourth. Yeah. And they are 48 behind Ferrari in second. Mm-hmm. I think they knew they were going to they were going to come third this season. Come what? Oh, they're, yeah, pro- they're probably there. But don't forget, you do get more money per point, don't you? Um, and it's not just about that; it's about pride at the end of the true. day. Like a team, and a team want a team want both their drivers to be pushing each other. Yeah, I'm sure there's a favoured way that most teams want them, want things to go. But in the same well, way, well, it's certainly going that way for Red Bull at the minute because Max is definitely number one. Yeah, but the problem with the problem with this weekend was, like, Max rescued it fucking fabulously, uh, to the point where I think he might have been able to scratch his way onto the podium and beat Leclerc if um, if he hadn't have had the issues that he had in qualifying. But the let's just say, for instance, that Max hadn't have had the. Uh, the the great race he had. Let's just say the the stops didn't work out for him. He found himself a fucking stroll he couldn't get past. Yeah. Or um, then he he came out of the pits and there was a couple of back markers there that bogged him down for a lapper and he couldn't keep the like the relentless move through the field. He did. They're, they're mean, don't, fucked. Well, don't don't forget with that though. They strategized for him to run as long as possible, and there was still some life in those tires. Yeah. By the time that he pitted, because he started on the hard tyres. Yeah, but what I mean is, if it doesn't work out, that's when they're hemorrhaging points because they can't rely on Gasly to do a similar job to Max. If if it wasn't for Max doing a good job, they wouldn't have finished fifth because Gasly wasn't capable of moving forward. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What you know, what is what is happening? What is happening with Gasly? But. I don't think that they'll win him before the end of the season. I think Danny Kvyat might end up in that Red Bull again. I think that would be a bad decision for Kvyat mm. and would probably break him again, which would be a bad decision for Red Bull. But would he do better than Gasly? Maybe in a couple of races before before everything fell apart. But what if it if it doesn't fall apart? Because he does seem to be a different guy. This is the. I think this might be another issue with the drivers as well. It's it's worked with Max and it worked with Vettel bringing these guys in, particularly young. But um, I mean, realistically, Max wasn't even part of the Red Bull driver program. But so if you take him out of it, even and just look at Vettel as being the the really young driver that they brought into Formula One, all the other young guys that brought in haven't worked. No, they brought them in too soon. I, I just don't think Ricardo that... was he young, young though. Um, he wasn't Vettel young when he came in. He'd been on the program a while, and it was Red Bull that put him in the HRT. Yeah, yeah, but when he got when he got to the HRT, he wasn't like Sebastian Vettel young. He was nineteen or so, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, he was. I thought he was twenty. I thought he was in his twenties. But anyway, the well, what I mean is we can't argue about the fucking Red Bull meat grinder. You know, yeah. that's a thing. But I I don't think sticking Danny Kvyat in a team with a hyper-competitive teammate mm-hmm. will work well. Maybe not. Um, but I'm surprised that you think Red Bull care about their drivers. It's not about caring about their drivers. It's about saying, right, what's going to be the result of this? It's not... 
oh no, we might break Danny. It's but oh no, we might break a driver and lose the points. Ricardo was actually twenty two in his first race. Oh, right. Yeah, I thought I thought he was I thought he was older. But the um I, I, I just can't see if Gasly's still doing what he's doing now come the summer break. do they do that for another race? Like I say, you say you've got you've got this situation now. Where where did Gasly finish again? Sorry, eighth. Eighth. Yeah, that car shouldn't be eighth. Not when not not when everything's going right in qualifying and stuff like that. Um, and again, it's it, all it takes. Do, it doesn't even take uh, Max having a bad bad race. He gets hit. He you know he has yeah. a crash. He gets a puncture. He has a, a, te- a mechanical failure, and all of a sudden you are. Your the only car you've got is going to be what four places behind where Max would finish. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. We should obviously get the Hulk in. If we should probably get Hulkenberg in. He also doesn't look like a window wind in the willows character with half his makeup. <laughs> Don't know where to go with that. <laughs> now I've got, I've got my own theories on what uh, the Red Bull organisation are going to look like next season. We'll talk. We'll, we'll do a silly season bit later on. I've got I've got a real problem with people that can't grow beards, trying to grow beards, and Gasly is in desperate need of a shave. <laughs> Um, right. Well, I think that about covers everything for. Uh, yeah. For it. I don't, Thanks, on, people. The news. Yeah, Hope I you enjoyed I just, it. Don't think there's anything more to talk about. Oh, yeah, Bottas came sixth. Yeah. Crap weekend for him. Is it's going to be interesting? He's the Gasly of Mercedes. But in it, this it's, race. it's going to be interesting to see whether he recovers from this or whether yeah. he just becomes Bottas 1.0 again. That was a 2018 Bottas we saw this season, and a lot of people were saying this as well. Yeah, one of the apps didn't work, and they had to downgrade his firmware. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I want to, I want to do the top three separately because I think we need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bottas was. Um, Interesting power slide in uh, in qualifying. He was so lucky. I mean, I understand there must be a lot of there's a lot of skill involved in keeping himself out of the wall, but it's fifty fifty, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, funnily enough, as soon as he did that slide, Chris put that message on our on our chat thread mm. about him um, driving like a Finnish rally driver. Yeah. At the exact same instant, Sean said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've never seen them in the same room together. We did last yeah, week. We're we both have. on the podcast. No. <laughs> You're wrong. Why do you think Chris always wears glasses? Because he's got bad eyesight. No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying Chris is the Clark Kent to Sean's Superman? Yep. Right, okay. <laughs> Shall we... Shall we talk about the obvious thing then I think I just did (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah I think I think we have to uh, we have to look at the top three as one entity well realistically we can get Charles Leclerc out of the way because he didn't actually have a lot to do with the winning and winning of the race no but if he'd have put his foot down a little bit more he could have had something to do with finishing second and the timing screen screwed up, and at one point we're showing him in second yeah. place. Can, can we talk about that strange pit strategy they stuck him on, where they seem to think that they gamble on a safety car coming out over three laps? But it's Ferrari's now way of keeping them separate, because do they know that if he runs alongside Vettel, Vettel will end up going backwards? Well, it, it does that... 
it does feel like that. It felt like that to me when they did it. Thought, well, have they got have they got enough time on the rest of the field to where they just leave him out on old tires for a little bit? Because like he lost about eight seconds, I think, didn't he? Yeah. But he kept his position. It was the if you're if you're number wanting Vettel without and not wanting Charles Leclerc to get involved in any of this, it was the perfect outcome for Ferrari. But I I just couldn't I couldn't understand the strategy. But how many times last year did we say exactly the same about what what they were doing to Kimi? No, they but have... it was obvious what they were doing to Kimi because they'd leave him out when he was at least in the lead. They'd leave him out in the lead knowing that sooner or later Hamilton is going to come up to him and it might cost him a couple of seconds. Like the only person that but lost time was uh Charles. I think last time they were using strategy to try and hurt Mercedes. Yeah. This year they're using strategy to try and stop Charles and Vettel mm. fighting on the track. Also, I um I do think it's kind of a lack of bollocks on Ferrari's part because given the mistakes Charles Leclerc's made, uh, especially in qualifying, we've seen that reasonably regular. Um, I don't think Ferrari can rely on him to be the the you know, the driver they need. You know, they the driver they need Vettel to be, for instance. Uh, it's not his time yet, and um, maybe if they maybe if they were more honest about that, it would might work out a little bit better for him. Possibly, yeah. Because he fucked, he fucked qualifying. You know, yeah, he, he couldn't string it together. And I've like, he, but this is that that was the same with him in Salber as well. You know, he'd have good races, but he couldn't get his sectors together. Possibly. So there's a little bit of me thinking, um, whether have we all did we all get a little bit overexcited about Charles Leclerc and is he? Is he just a good Formula One driver, but not quite showing the um, like elite level Formula One driver potential? No, I I think he is still a potential elite level. He's mm-hmm. just making some mistakes that do you not that will. But do you not think that would have? He's already had a year in Formula One, and I I always seem to think I don't. Um. I never really believe in the slow burn champion. Like I know some drivers might <coughs> take No, not not really, because he was good, wasn't he? From the minute he got into a Williams, he was you could see he was really good. In the same way as like George Russell lapping his teammate, for instance. Yeah, but Charles Leclerc in a Sauber, you could see he was good. Yeah, but he the, kept the, making be... lots of mistakes. And I can't help thinking that if you'd have took um if you took who oh, would be a good example? Fucking Verstappen's quite a good example of it. Like he made loads of mistakes when he came into Formula yeah. One, but he looked exceptional while he was doing it. And I think I don't think Hamilton Charlotte... as well made a few few yeah. mistakes in his first few years. But he looked exceptional. And almost won a championship in his first year. Okay, Mika Mika Hakkinen. Um, he was making up the numbers quite a lot in his early career. I think his car was making up the numbers. This is what I mean. It's I'm not taking out out cars in this situation, but I think you can see drivers that have got potential. And I think if I'm not I'm not writing fucking Charles Leclerc off by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think if he was as good as we thought he was going to be, uh, he'd have. It, it would be undeniable. 
and I, I don't think it's undeniable at the minute. And I don't think Ferrari can put... The, the, that's the awkward thing for them. They can't put their eggs in, in his basket because I don't think they can trust him to take to bring them home. But they they also screw up his qualifying. Yes, yeah, that's true. And then screw up his race. And then he doesn't look exceptional. But do they do they have to do that to him during the race because he won't listen to them? And if, the, if uh, that's the case, uh, people won't like this, but that's not on because Formula One is a team sport. Are they telling him to hold back and no no one's going to like that when you're in a, when you're at an elite level mm-hmm. of any sport and you've got your team your coaches no one's going to like it but i can't i don't understand why he thinks that would be different for him and ferrari when you see ferrari and you know what their philosophy has been since michael schumacher was in the team i don't understand why he all of a sudden thought he'd walk in and it would be the cha- it would be a, the difference when his teammate has four world championships to his name. I th- I think a lot of the problem is that he is being forced not to drive to the best of his ability, mm-hmm. and when when you are that good at anything, if you are not doing something to the best of your ability, everything suffers. Yeah, I think I, I so no, I th- I think he's he's definitely got the elite future world champion about him. It's just that he's not being given the opportunity to show it. So do you think Ferrari might wreck him? Every chance. Uh, I don't think Ferrari will wreck him. I think he's probably under an unimaginable amount of pressure Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Because because of what Ferrari is. Yep. And I think from what we've seen of him over the years, uh, uh, not many years, obviously, but I think it's going to make him stronger. Mm. I hope so. But it's just, I'm wary of the, it's not really the mistakes are the, are what get me with them. It, it's the qualifying and you can't win a world championship if you qualify like he's qualifying. Because the best qualifier, the best he's, he's been in qualifying was Baku and he crashed. And you can't deny that there's not a hint of Grosjean about this. I don't know that Pearlie got in Bahrain wasn't all that bad. No, no, but yeah, I mean, that's he should be a race winner. I'm not going to take that away from him. The guy's obviously a good driver. That's that's fair. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination he's not a good driver. But again, if that was Grosjean that's making the mistakes he's making, we'd be fucking labasting for it. But remember where Grosjean was in his first couple of years, he was upside down above other drivers. This is true, but Charles Leclerc is not there. But we all thought that and Grosjean, Grosjean has do done it. the slow burn improvement to where he's keep it on the track. <laughs> that maybe, sometimes, but maybe but at least he's not easier. <laughs> at least he's not nearly killing people now. Yeah, this is true. Just wounding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's right. All I'm saying is, I just think that f- f- uh, he's showing and. Uh, Again, it's not his fault during the race if he get, keeps getting given a shit strategy, but his qualifying is proving Ferrari's point. And if he's if he's then not listening to them during the race and putting the team in jeopardy, 
I can see why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, he's only yeah. ignored team orders once when he did the when he did the pass on Vettel in that we know of China that we know of. Or was it Australia? No, um, I think Australia. He was ordered to stay behind, and he did. Mm-hmm. It was either China or Bahrain where he. But he did. He, but Vettel. he did make a big thing about it in Australia. He made a big yeah. media thing of it afterwards. No, I don't think he had any choice but to make a big media thing about it, be- just because of the scrutiny that 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 comes with that red uniform. No, no, but he didn't have to turn around and say, uh, "I did it because it made sense this time. If it doesn't make sense, I'm never going to do it." That's not what you say to the media if you want to try and defuse a situation. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's doing non-team prescribed mind games with Vettel. Maybe. How easily is Vettel rattled? Oh, well, this is... Well, I I think we're probably going to talk about this in a second, aren't we? (laughs) I I think, you know, the elephant in the room is now demanding tea and biscuits. Right, okay. In you come, Dombo. (laughs) (laughs) What a fucking clusterfuck of a situation. It's a strange one. Where do we stand with it? Right, the first first thing that I want to say is everyone that is comparing Vettel's penalty to the one that Verstappen got in Japan Completely for barging Kimmy, worlds apart. There's a difference between going over grass and losing your back end, yeah, and realizing you're not gonna you're not gonna make a corner in time and cutting cutting a chicane and then coming back on and hitting another coming driver. back on and sliding into another driver. Also, that where what you got to think of is uh, with that particular move as well is when he went off he's naturally being taken he's naturally being taken left and the long way around the corner which is going to cost him more time Verstappen chose to turn right and come back onto the track unsafely Vettel had no choice of the way he re-entered the track that's that's the sticking point here yeah Vettel didn't actually have control of the car until he was back on back on the racing line pretty much so are we all agreed about that? Because when I first saw that, mm-hmm. it looked to me like Vettel slammed the door shut on Hamilton. Yeah, I, it was only on the replays that I thought, no, he's he's not actually in control. There. I don't think he had any idea that Hamilton was there. I don't think. I, I, I mean, I think um, I think he thought there was a chance he might be there because if uh, otherwise what, he'd have gone close to the wall. Was he in control at that point? Though? No. No, no. So, he, so it doesn't matter whether he knew he was there or you not. You watch the onboard. The, he he eventually gets the wheel straight, and then he looks in his mirror to see what's going on around him. He's got far too much to fucking deal with to worry about what's going on there. And I'm sure the only thing that was going through his head was not ending up in that wall. Yeah. I mean, what the what the FIA have released this uh, this came out was this this came out this morning on Monday. Yeah. You say released, I say shit out, but carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, the steward said that he moved over to the right after he'd regained control of the car, and that's where the penalty came from. So we're we're saying we don't believe that. I don't believe that. I I think this is... I think these... Statements that the FA are going to put out now are more to protect. Oh, this this is pure damage control. Yeah, but it's it's more. I think it's more uh, to protect their stewards because, by all counts, your man's having a pretty hard time at the minute, which I 
definitely don't agree with. People shouldn't be fucking the amount, sending death threats and stuff no, to the, people the over that, decision. The amount of crap that Emmanuel Ipiro has got since it happened has just been mm. fucking ridiculous. He's actually called John Jacobson now and he's in a safe house somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Smuggled out of Canada under a blanket. <laughs> it's Edward Snowden's neighbour. But... um. Yeah, yeah. I, I I reckon the really important thing is what is the penalty for? Is it to punish a driver for doing something dangerous? Yeah. Or is it to is it to make up to Lewis Hamilton the fact that if Vettel hadn't slid in front of him, yeah. Hamilton would have gone past. See, I think the uh the penalty's wrong. Not the not the giving of the penalty, because I think the, these things need clarified as well. The actual giving of the penalty is the right thing to do because uh, they decided that he infringed on this rule, so a penalty has been given for infringing on that rule. But funny enough, I don't think coming back on the track in an unsafe manner is actually the the rule that he broke. I think it would have been more reasonable if he'd been nailed for leaving the track and gaining an advantage because he left he left the track and kept Hamilton behind him where... He probably shouldn't have had Hamilton behind him. Yeah. So leaving the track and gaining an advantage to me seems like the right call there. He was far enough ahead of Hamilton that if he'd have taken the corner normally, I think he he would have held the position. Yeah. Yeah. Because Hamilton wasn't looking to make any kind of move on him at that point because that is not that's not a corner you can overtake on usually. Yeah. And. I I saw it as more more of a racing incident. I saw it as more the, of a racing incident. His back end stepped out before just before he was turning in fully. Yeah, and then bounced over the grass. I was convinced he was he was heading for the wall. I thought I I, I think if that had because someone turned around and said to me and said if that had been Grosjean you'd be slamming him for it and I replied if that had been Grosjean he'd have crashed. If Hamilton, yeah. hadn't, if Hamilton hadn't have been there, we would still we would have been talking for days about what a great save that was. Yes, yes, yeah. Because it was. He had soon as soon as he went on the grass and he bounced and skidded. Yeah, like, he's done. Yeah. And then it was always oh, going to take Hamilton with him. My God, how are they still both running? Mm-hmm. You know, Hamilton had to jump on the brakes because. You don't expect to see a car coming sideways around that corner at you. I don't think he'd have got a penalty last year. I don't think Charlie Whiten would have given him a penalty. Under I, that I don't know. umbrella. I mean, I, I think this is the this is the problem I've got with the whole whole thing. Is he got a penalty, fine. People are upset because we got robbed of a race, which is perfectly acceptable. So let's call a tangerine a small orange here what the conversation really needs to be is is the rules in general regardless of the incident do we do we want formula one to back off these rules a little bit i think that's where the issue is because there is no common sense able to be applied because the rules are there in black and white Mm -hmm. And they have to be followed. And the rules don't say anything about rejoining the track under control. In that case, uh, we get rid of driver stewards and we have lawyers 
make the decisions. We have lawyers and mathematicians. You re- you read the Vettel quote? No. No, right. I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a second. I've just got a tweet up on screen from Mario Andretti. I think he um I think he put this best yesterday. I think the function of the stewards is to play, penalise flagrantly unsafe moves, not honest mistakes as a result of hard racing. Mm-hmm. I think he makes a fair point. Yeah. Vettel made a mistake. But but again, is it penalising the the driving or is it giving restitution to Hamilton who, who would have gone past if Vettel hadn't but, happened to stick his car in front of him? But Hamilton forced Vettel into making a mistake. Yeah. If so let's just say for instance that Hamilton Hamilton knew the the, what the rules that we have in place uh that that there wouldn't be a penalty given. Let's let's say that was dead clear that there's going to be no penalty for this. So all of a sudden the driver mindset's different. So Hamilton's thinking I've forced him into a mistake. Vettel is already penalised because he's got dirty tyres, he's just lost a bunch of time, and he's got fucking Lewis Hamilton like on his earlobes. So, I mean, what we want really as racing fans then is to see them go like go down into the next corner and Lewis Hamilton try to overtake him at the next opportunity because he's that close to him, and Vettel's got dirty tyres, so that. Vettel's already been penalised because he's got fucking tyres full of grass that are now cold. Yeah. So, uh, it's... So, so do you think giving the penalty actually hurt the racing? Absolutely, yeah. And the funny thing is, I... Well, it, it stopped it being a race, didn't it? It stopped because... it being a race, yeah. There was no point. Hamilton, I really wanted him to overtake him. But at the end of the day, why... Could you imagine the defending Vettel would have done if Hamilton would have tried to get past him? I think it would have ended up with both of them not finishing. And I think Lewis is clever enough to know like he must be raging inside that helmet. Yeah. So you you wouldn't raging and spending so much time talking about the penalty that yeah. he's not actually concentrating on the yeah. race. Well, it was it was getting it was getting relayed to Lewis after the penalty that um yeah, Vettel's got the penalty. He's not happy. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, I think that's the thing. The, the, it doesn't matter what happened at that race almost, but what it's done is highlighted um, the sort of nanny state attitude that the rules have to racing. I, th- I think that I think they have, they have made them too stringent because yeah, if we're if we're seeing racing mistakes punished by penalties. Mm. And in, at the end of the day, that was a racing mistake by Vettel. I can't. I can't help think that this all goes back to Max Verstappen. You know, is you know like the when they had to get tougher on rules because of the Max Verstappen moving under Double, braking, the quadruple move under braking. Yeah, it's it's since then that it's been it's like th- it's put on thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. And you have to argue that um, we're not, we haven't got cars from like 1992 now. It's the safest Formula One has ever been. And a a normal accident, let's say, you know, just like two cars that come together and crash off into the distance, 
the chances of survival are so high it's unbelievable you know the chances of crashing at like 150 mile an hour with another formula one car you've probably got a higher chance of hurting yourself at crashing at 60 mile an hour in your road car yeah so does that if if we make formula one safe and we have to have the halos and stuff like that on on the cars does that not mean that we can relax slightly when it comes to the cars racing each other I think it. I think it should do, because it's at it's at the point now where, you know, is it racing is discouraged and is F one just turning into one big time trial where they all set off at the same time? Well, this, and is, uh, is that yeah. how it's wanted? I, I think it would be probably dangerous to the point where it's more likely to cause drivers to die. Yeah, if you relax the rules and say. Okay. I'm not saying throw in blue turtle shells. <laughs> but if if you're saying, okay, you don't have to drive as safely as you used to mm-hmm. because the cars are safe, I think that would probably end up with life-changing injuries. Yeah. But I think but allowing for life, mitigate, life-changing but, injuries. Yeah, to mitigating, mi- mitigating circumstances. circumstances, to me, it all comes down to where the Vettel was in control. If he was in control and slammed the door shut on Hamilton, that's dangerous and a penalty. Absolutely, yeah. If he wasn't, then it's a mistake. And the only reason to penalise it is, as I say, if you're saying, well, Hamilton should have got past there. There's another way of looking at this as well. Because, again, I don't think he rejoined in an unsafe manner. I think he he rejoined the only way he could do. So let's just think. Uh, no, I I think he definitely rejoined in an unsafe manner because none of his wheels were pointing in the direction yeah, he was moving. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was a passenger. There was and nothing that's not exactly safe. Yeah, yeah. But there was nothing. He he didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't malicious. The, the rule doesn't mention about anything about. But the other interesting way to look purpose. at this is if we if we just look at it a pure, as a pure way of leaving the circuit and coming back on. Yeah. yeah. If he'd have done that without Lewis behind him. He'd have probably got what three warnings before they gave him a a penalty for for that for doing that. You know, like when, when people yeah. are constantly going off the track. So then that again, that seems like a strange thing that then he does it once in that situation, but because there's someone else behind him, it's a slam dunk offence. I I can't help think that a warning, you know, Ferrari radio and Intervetal saying, "Look, we've had a word from the stewards." That was that was an unsafe move, and you can't do anything like that again. Yeah, that would be what happened if he was cutting a chicane, something yeah. like that. But that's I think that incident is more akin to cutting a chicane than it is barrel rolling back onto the track and hoping that you don't take ten people out. The Grosjean effect. Yeah. Yeah. Indy, IndyCar have actually got it right around this because they um, in IndyCar you can be ordered by the stewards to swap position. Mm. I mean, even that's not... It, it's it's it, better. It's better yeah. because it, it still, it still like, looks bad. It, it allows the racing to continue mm-hmm. because that race was effectively neutralised as soon as the penalty was given. Yeah, but right. I'm not sure. I think Hamilton was just as desperate to get past, if not more so, so that when he was stood on the number one step, everyone knew he'd earned it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, I think if he didn't know he'd already won the race by following him, I think maybe that move might have been made 
at yeah. the next corner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's face it, right? Is it, does is it either of you think, let's say that the, the penalty didn't happen, yeah? Um, we just carried on going now with Lewis exceptionally close to Vettel, even if he didn't manage to pass him into the next corner. Does anyone think that he could have that Vettel could have gone twenty laps under that pressure? I still think the right man won. I still think uh, two one of two things would have happened: either Lewis Hamilton would have overtook him, and won the race, because he had so much pace. As soon as he got into front of him, he'd have disappeared off into the distance, or Vettel would have made another mistake probably a different corner and either crashed or Lewis would have got past him. There was a champion's war moment all over Vettel. Yeah. Mm. Vettel does obviously have a bit of a habit of cracking under pressure, yeah. but he doesn't always. It's not, not a guaranteed thing that he would have lost No, but he'd it. already done it. He'd already done it. So. Once, but <laughs> that might have been the once is enough for him. Was that the crack? <laughs> One thing, just while we're on the subject, of, while we're on this subject, just want to talk about something else that was going on with Vettel's race. I think it got completely overshadowed by this. It was actually a few, um, about five or six laps before mm-hmm. when Vettel was told to back off a little bit because of problems with the car. They were kind of undefined problems, and he was lapping a little bit slower. The, pe- the pundits think he was specu- running out of fuel. The speculation was they'd short fueled him, expecting a safety car. Yeah. So, yeah, there was there was definitely something going on. Julian Palmer, uh, all round modern oracle of Formula One. Um, You've changed your tune like status quo, haven't I? To be fair, I was the only one that kept saying that Julian Palmer had bad luck, amongst other things. I know, I was. I think I was always reasonable with Julian. I always had faith in him turning it round. Didn't, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. He thinks that Vettel's complaining about the um, penalty isn't so much him complaining about the penalty and he's Jedi mind-tricked people to not talk about him making another mistake under racing. Which, at the end of the day, it's what it was. Yeah, Yeah. that's, again, Vettel crumbled when it came to racing somebody. I mean, this... Uh, I don't think it's... A conscious Jedi mind trick, because if it was, then Vettel would be thinking, I've made yet another mistake. I best cover up my yet another mistake that I've made so that people don't make notice how many mistakes I make. He at did l- lay it on thick, though. At, l- at least with this one, he kept the car sort of pointing towards the finish line rather yeah. than yeah. a different country. Mm-hmm. He laid it on thick, Just. which got the crowd on side. Yeah. Well, I think it's the first time he's ever been cheered. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the uh, he got what Mark Webber got after multi twenty one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, one th- one way that it does make a refreshing change is people complaining after the race that uh, the FIA are doing everything to favour Mercedes. This comes this comes after forty years yes. of all they're only doing it all yeah, for Ferrari. Yeah. Well, you see, that's it. I do, I don't I don't think that they did it to favour Mercedes, but I do think there's obviously a turning of the tides with the Ferrari thing. You know, we hear about them. Um, Standing up to Ferrari a little bit more. Although Ferrari have vetoed the removal of the veto. Yeah, we well, they will not have that in the future of Formula One. There's no way the new rules pass with them having power of veto anymore. Uh, apparently, removing the veto isn't an option. What? The veto's staying. 
Is it? Yeah. Who said that? Ferrari. That, that was in the news the week before last. I can't remember. We talked about this last week. Yeah. When... Oh, yeah, but since then, there's been a load of teams come out and talk about it, hasn't there? Well, um, we'll get to it in the news because there's a lot of yeah. 2021 stuff in there. Um, look now at the aftermath of the race, the epic tantrum. Mm-hmm. Um, never seen anything like that. No, I, 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 I genuinely thought he was going to boycott the podium. Uh, I've been trying to. I've been looking back to see when the last driver actually boycotted a podium ceremony. Somebody sent me a tweet saying Alan Jones in 1981, but I couldn't find what race it was. Mm-hmm. The only other race that I could find with drivers not on the podium was Japan in 1977, when James Hunt and Carlos Reutemann weren't there, but their excuse was the race was that delayed. They were actually both in cars on the way to the airport, still in their race suits. <laughs> <laughs> Can I help someone to go, James? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he had an appointment. Uh, there was the uh, weekly meeting of the Mile High Club. Was, yeah, <laughs> got fifteen blowjobs to get through today. <laughs> Come on, you you tried to separate James Hunt from a nineteen seventies air stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take it's gonna take a dance site more than a pod, contractually obliged podium ceremony to do that. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the the number swapping that is that that's insta meme. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it already has been. There's a there's a great meme of him stealing the uh, Mona Lisa. That's that's been my favorite <laughs> one I've seen so far. <laughs> um, he also said, and again, I'm think I'm thinking this isn't what he said, and this is PR spin and more damage control. Mm-hmm. His returning to the podium was a matter of respect for his rivals. I I know that his manager was sent to find him and calm him down and get him onto the podium. Mm. I suspect that was one of the things his manager told him yeah. that if he if he doesn't go to the podium then it's a big amount of disrespect to the other guys. You, I think what got him to go to the podium is someone turned around and said, Look, you're obligated to do this. If you don't go to the podium, you're gonna get a penalty in the next race. Yeah. I think you know he'd have got he'd have got a grid drop for that. I think he would have probably been disqualified. Yeah, oh, he'd have definitely been disqualified from the race, uh, but I think he'd have got a penalty for the next race as well. So I was, um, I was looking it up. And I don't, I don't know what the punishment for missing the podium is. I think it's, it's in the FIA regulations, but I am not reading them. No, but I don't think I've got enough hard drive space to download them. No, no, you only start going around, going do around doing those sort of things when you get paid for doing this. Exactly. <laughs> It, it seems the sort of rule that had only be brought in after this sort of thing happened, because who on earth wouldn't go to the podium? Yeah. You've just just come second. Why aren't you going to go and get your champagne and your trophy? <laughs> the, it, it would have to be some big, the big like, political movement, or like a take-a-knee type situation, yeah. wouldn't it, for that to happen? Um, apart from that, I probably wanted to take a knee to the stewards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he stormed through the Mercedes garage, I thought there was... Uh... I thought he was going to go and do something there. I Sorry, I'm, was... now, I'm, but... I'm now just mentally composing or photoshopping in my head, Colin Kaepernick replacing Sebastian Vettel on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he Anyone was going to... Anyone Photoshop? Go to it. I thought he was going to go and punch Toto Wolff in well, the shin. The, the thing that really confused me was you saw Toto Wolff walking out of the garage yeah. as Vettel was walking in. 
And Toto didn't give him a second glance. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Ferrari driver walking through our garage. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> News just in, Toto colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the whole situation. And then, um, then making him do the catch-up interview with Martin Brundle. Yeah, I think that was a bit of damage control as well to... I, I think, again, his manager had reminded him what he was obliged to do and the penalties for not doing it. I think I, I thought that was good about the booing. Yes. That was yeah. a good move. Yeah, and uh, I'm, cu- I'm calling out dickheads of the week, the ones that were booing Lewis Hamilton. wasn't his fault. Yeah, I don't even think they were booing Lewis Hamilton, to be perfectly honest. I think they were booing the situation. Yeah. You know, it's, I do, I, and yeah, it's just that wouldn't have mattered who that was. It wasn't particularly Lewis that was getting the booze. It was, it was just the. At it the was end the guy the, that the crowd didn't see as having deserved winning. At the end of the day, it's almost like going to a boxing match and then finding out towards the end of the match that the match was fixed. Yeah, you know, it's you. You're not going to be happy with it. Every every one of those people so there. Fifty percent of occasions going to a boxing. Yeah, match. or fifty percent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah. I just, don't want to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I fucking are you throw me well off now because <laughs> bringing boxing up, all I've got through my head is that brilliant meme of uh, the knockout the other day. Did you see it? With Joshua getting hit and then his soul leaving his body, going to the airport, boarding a plane, and then the plane takes off. It's fucking brilliant. But uh, yeah. A, a victory for dad bodies everywhere, that but fight. Everybody, um, everybody in that uh, circuit paid, the, paid their money to get there, their £200 for, for the race ticket, probably, or you know, somewhere within the, the range of £200 a race ticket. Uh, I can understand why they were upset by the outcome when you get... It, it, that would have been a classic Grand Prix. Mm. You know, that would have been on the, the replays of the last 30 laps for the rest of fucking time. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's just not on. It's the same. It's funny thing is, we've had... I don't, I don't even know if people had thought of it this way, but that's two races we've had like that. Because in Monaco, of course, Verstappen was chasing Hamilton down with a penalty, so yep. he couldn't win the race. We've just had another race, which was uh, won by a driver because of a penalty getting given. So, yeah, of course, people have got to think that this has gone too far. So, yeah. driver of the day. Lance Stroll. Jesus Christ, that felt weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not actually said that since Baku two years ago. Never. The only time, the only time I think anyone's ever nervous and been that nervous to say something would have gone around the, the lines of someone saying, "Yeah, Mum, Dad, I'm gay." <laughs> it's right up there with the things that are difficult to tell people. Uh, I'm not going with Lance Stroll because. I don't think he because did. it feels better not doing. Well, no, I, <laughs> I don't think he did anything particularly spectacular to get into ninth place. You're probably right. The, he, he there just was a, couple, had a good drive. Couple of overtakes. It was just things went his way. So for me, I think Danny Rick. Danny Rick, if you're in, if you're if you just go off the race, I think I'd. I'm. Oh, saying that. Do you know what? You can't knock what Verstappen did. 
No, not at all. Start from Verstappen starting from where he did and then beating his teammate as well. Started ninth, finished fifth. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Danny Rick with an honorable honourable mention for Danny Kvyat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good drive as well. Mm. Hero. Gunter Steiner. Yeah. Stewards. <laughs> 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 Uh, and I'm sticking with Stewart because I bet on Lewis Hamilton to win. <laughs> I'm almost dreading the responses to this next one. Villain of the weekend. Um, Landon Norris's back tyre. Had the potential to be a fucking murderer if it was three <laughs> seconds earlier. I'm going Grosjean. Grosjean? Grosjean for seeing his teammate flying across the track with two wheels, thumping into the wall and stopping moving completely. Actually, I'm going to go for the McFly moment of the weekend. Roman, it's all about you, Grosjean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling to disagree. Struggling. Uh, and honourable mention for Kevin Magnussen. Yeah, I know the mechanics stayed up all night fixing the car, but it's yeah. a bit shit now. It's been a weekend of damage control all round from God knows how many different sources. Actually, when you think about it, there was um, there was a load of bad weekends, wasn't there, yeah. for people? Like every every team, every team, somebody had a bad dry, a bad race. The only team that, yeah, every team, because I was going to say the only team that didn't uh, was Ferrari, because Charles Leclerc still ended up on the podium. But realistically, his teammate was in the wars. <laughs> Every team that was apart from uh, Renault, Renault both their drivers finished yeah. well. Renault, the Renault only were team. the only ones that came through the entire weekend. Both drivers doing well. Yeah. Oh, my other hero of the weekend is the lady from Mercedes, and I'm sorry, I've forgotten what her name was, who was on the podium and completely didn't read the room, spraying champagne all over <laughs> Vettel. Oh yeah, she she was stuck out the back. All she did was look at a laptop for the whole race, wasn't yeah. she? She just looked at numbers. And she, oh, this is great. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's like it's like you said on. Um, Sunday. It's the one time she's ever going to get the chance to do that. It, it would. It would. The only thing that would have been less fitting is if she took a top off, started swinging it around her head, shouting "Spring Break." <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we were really, really wanting in in the uh, blog room. We were really wanting Charles Leclerc to go up to uh, Martin Brundle and say, "Well, I'm happy." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so predictions. How did we do? We will start with the absent folk. Um, first one, do the guest predictor. This week was uh, this week was Jana, yeah, regular listener. She went for Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen, with a caveat, not a caveat. Uh, but my heart says Leclerc, Vettel, and Ricardo, which would have actually ended up with more points. So three points there. Uh, Chris went for Hamilton, Bottas, Leclerc. Six-pointer. Sean Hamilton Bottas Verstappen, a three-pointer. Dan Bottas Hamilton Leclerc, four points. And Lee, we ended up both going for the same. Did we? Yeah, we um, we both went for Hamilton Bottas and Vettel and both ended up with four points. <laughs> so I am still in the lead on 33. Mm-hmm. Lee, you are now tied for second place with Chris on 24. 
Dan closing up with 20. Guest predictors on 19 and Sean on 16. Wow. Oh dear, Sean. Sean needs to turn this around quickly. As uh, she, she needs to learn more about reporting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or as she was called this week, the actual expert. Did, did you see uh, Joshua Kaiser's descriptions of us all on Twitter? No. Lee quotes the expert. Yes. Me, me the ringmaster. <laughs> Chris, the musician. Dan, the international man of mystery, and Sean, the actual expert. To be fair, I've <laughs> I, I've I've christened myself that because the the hot laps description says Formula One podcast with self described Formula One expert. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do it all again in in uh, France a week on Saturday. Yeah. Ah, news. Bloody knackered already after I that. I know. Yeah. But we have we have some bits. Um, the 20, 2021 regulations were due to come out in two weeks' time, on a Tuesday, of course. Yeah. Um, but the agreement on them has now been put back to October. However, F1 are now having, it's not quite a crisis meeting yet, but it's not far off being a crisis meeting this Thursday to try and get things thrashed out, because it's not just the technical regulations that are on the board. It's the sporting and financial rules as well that are all getting changed. So there's more to this than stock parts. And I think a lot of this comes down to the number of races. Because the maximum that Formula One have said will ever happen in one season is 25. And apparently there were plans discussed in Canada amongst the team principals for reducing the length of the weekend and getting rid of media day on Thursday or Wednesday for Monaco, having the all the press conferences and media duties Friday morning while the support race practices and, quali- and qualifiers were going on, and then having both practice sessions, or both Friday practice sessions, in the afternoon. And then not changing Saturdays and Sundays, but only requiring teams to be up at the circuit for the three days instead of four. Do you know you could do? You could just scrap media day. I mean, real, realistically, the uh, the drivers are interviewed so much over the course of a weekend, you know, in the pit and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're interviewed by the same people over and over again. Asking the same questions. Yeah. So just, I, I, and even if you wanted to keep a driver, the driver's one, get rid of the team one. You know, get rid of the team principal's press conference. Oh, I don't know. It's quite funny when you get Cyril Abutable and Christian Horner the on the only, same panel. The only people that watch the team principal's press conferences are their mums. Apart from Claire Williams, because I think her mum died a few years ago. That's, well. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean about the same principles press conference. At least her team's going to meet a mum then. <laughs> well, that's respect for Jacques Villeneuve. will <laughs> <laughs> be my version of that one day. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean about the team principles press conference, but the thing, the thing is, though, the team principles are... They've got usually got shareholders and bigger bigger sort of corporate entities to answer to and have to put the right message across. And no, but yeah, but they, but they do separate event, media events for those. Like the the they're, all the corporate stuff is done like in house, isn't it? You know, they they do those things separately. I th- again, I think it's just for sponsors, just getting getting the logos out there and get it getting TV time. 
Yeah, this, but this again, is, you could handle that in a different mm. way. But this is why they're going to scrap the entire, the whole separate media day mm-hmm. and just have media morning. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Because there's not a great deal happens on a Thursday. You know, no no, fan, no fans are there. And it's just basically drivers being wheeled out for interviews. But isn't it so Formula One? It's when you, when you think they've got decisions to make whether they change qualifying... They've got decisions to make whether they run two races over a weekend. They've got decisions to make about what aero regs they're going to have. Do they change the engine regulations? Are they going to have more races? And what they're concentrating on is when they sit down and talk to the media. Ah, uh, yeah, but this this is all to do with the more races because it's kind of a compromise. If they have the teams there at the circuit for fewer oh, days, oh no, I, I know, I know, it's all to do with it, but it just. It Apparently, just strikes me as just a Formula One being fucking over self indulgent with what it's got to sort out. I think, I, I think the simple solution is you have twenty five race weekends. Points from your best twenty one go towards the championships. That means teams don't need to do all of them, and that's the simple way to do it. The, yeah. prob- <laughs> the, prob- the problem is this was the issue that they had before the first Concord Agreement when you got a lot of teams missing the flyaway races because they yeah. had them at the start and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Then you make some of them compulsory. Yeah, but the, I mean, how bad would that be? The trying to explain, they, we're trying to get more people into Formula One and then you have to turn around and say, right, well, yeah, but the, you see what we've got this, this week. Mercedes aren't here because. Yeah, because they're not very good around Germany, so they just don't turn up and they can use that as one of their joker weekends where they don't score points. It, it doesn't work, does it? No. Is it? It's like giving. It's like turning around and saying in the Champions League next year, yeah, every team can have a nil-nil draw if they don't want to take part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need all teams at all races. Yeah, that's that's the only way for it to work. I don't know. Formula Dan, and you need is and whack. you need every race points to count. Yeah, because remember when it all the different systems that they used to use. Yeah, when it you know at one point it was X number of races from the first half of the season and X number from the second half. Then it was mm. um, your worst three results don't count. Remember and... when that crazy old vampire said they should have medals instead of points? Yes. Oh God, <laughs> that was because he wanted Massa to win, and Massa would have won yes. the drivers' championship if they'd done that. The year I don't before. think he wanted Massa to win. I think he wanted his overalls to win. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did Bernie say on grid walks when uh, Brundle asked him who do you want who who do you think is going to win today? I don't don't know who I think is going to win, but I want it to be a Ferrari. Well, this is the funny thing: like the amount of times he turned around and said, "Yeah, well, uh, Ferrari's Formula One and Formula One's Ferrari," and you just feel like going over to him and picking him up because I think it'd be dead easy and shaking him, going, "Not everyone thinks that you little cunt." <laughs> <laughs> I just hope this whole 2021 business is sorted out soon because I am I'm, I'm sick of all these. This might happen. This might happen. This isn't going to happen. Oh, it might do again. Just decide what the fuck's going on. What I what upsets me about it is is if if Formula One could get themselves straight, what they should be doing is using this build up to what the regulations are going to do is a big PR exercise because then we could get excited for it. Yeah, you know, with all the the leaked pictures coming out of what Formula One cars might look like, and the the idea of like, have you, have you seen like the mesh tire things where they all look really fucking ace? And the uh, you know what's going to happen 
is 2021 is going to come around and the cars are going to look mildly different. And it all all this, all the money that's gone into testing these ideas out, all the um, like promises that have been made about making cars that are fucking follow each other. What, 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 come on, what, what was I saying last week that I'd read that the... They, they, they only want they to reduce lose. the pro- um, projected tired deg following a car from to twenty percent of what it was, but now they've decided it's going to be fifty or something. No, it was it was like the they lo- yeah sorry they lose like ninety percent of the or eighty percent of the downforce and uh, Ross Braun said he wanted to get that down to losing twenty percent of the downforce. I think yeah. it was so, something like that anyway. And you just think like how hard can it be? I know there's a lot of money involved in Formula One, but it's not just me saying this now from a house in the Isle of Man. You've got like pundits like Chandock and uh, Damon Hill saying it. You know, people that are involved in Formula One saying, "Look, Ross Braun just needs to get rules together, walk into a meeting, throw it down on the table, and say they're the regulations for next year. Do you want in?" Yeah. And yeah. every every team's going to sign it because they've all spent millions and hundreds of millions building stuff to do it yeah uh you know, we've experienced that firsthand at mercedes haven't haven't we when the, there was rumors that mercedes are going to get pulled out and the guy that was showing us around the factory was saying like they've just invested like a hundred million they're going nowhere yeah i mean um it they just built the um control center yeah and they had a new coffee machine yeah <laughs> <laughs> lots of didn't see one monster can, monster can dispensing machine in the whole time we were there no that's because people in formula one are far too physically fit to drink monster <laughs> Including the designers. Yeah, that's it. I find that hilarious. You know, when you like you see Lewis Hamilton like sipping on a fucking monster thing, or even someone drinking a can, and you go, "There is no way there is that sugary caffeinated shit right. in that." Look at the monster cans that you see athletes drinking, and they all say on them "Tour Water," and they are cans of mineral water in a monster can. Are they? Yes, of course they are. It's. I I come out. I remember reading a study about it once where the. Uh, if you t- if you take a blood sample from somebody, have them drink a can of Red Bull, and then take a blood sample immediately after, your blood is measurably thicker after after drinking one can. It's I'm, uh, I've got to go through this in a couple of weeks. It's part of the testing for diabetes. Yeah, well, and to part, drink a can of Red Bull. Yeah, and part of the ongoing test as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah you give a blood sample, you have an energy drink, and then um, give another blood sample, and they compare. Everything in the blood from obviously sugar levels to mm-hmm. um, viscosity. It's insulin levels, isn't it? See if your insulin speak spikes, isn't it? When you've had all that sugar in you. Yeah, your blood glucose yeah. spikes, yeah. Uh, which is why I've had to stop drinking energy drinks since I found out I was diabetic. Still it's not a bad just, thing. Yeah, still, still have the occasional one, but I've been told to stop. Mm-hmm. Shall we shunt it? Why not? I know which one I'm using. I haven't got it up. Stall. Uh, I am stalling. Um, just to let you know, if you want to send a total shunt in, you can do it by Twitter direct message to at a total shunt. That's me. Or if you're not on Twitter, uh, and if a couple of people would kindly do this, send them by email to three legs four wheels at gmail dot com, because I've got the uh, I've got the reserve list, and for weeks when Lee's not around, um, I will be able to do that, and I'll get a plug in now for our extra show on Patreon. Um, basically, it fun it funds what we do. Um, you get an extra podcast every week, a couple of um, extra exclusives. Still be a musical exclusive coming up in the next two weeks once I finish doing it. 
whether you want that or not, tough. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash three legs ball wheels. chance the Formula 1 rules changing there is you finishing that. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. I tore a tendon in my thumb just before I did all the gigs over TT. I had to, I had to put the guitar down. Um, just go to patreon.com slash three legs four wheels and you can sign up there from as little as a dollar a month. Was that enough stalling for you? Put yep. your phone down. Sorry, someone just sent me a picture of Miley Cyrus. I had to look. Um, Have they heard tonight's Patreon show already? I know. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? How strange. I was born. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Before they were born, who's it from? Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you when we He knows who it is. I've already spoken to him and told him I was using his. But it would be nice for everybody else to know. I'll tell you afterwards because I don't want to zoom out because at the minute, I don't know who it is. And I like it when that happens. It <laughs> makes it exciting for me too. Fair enough. I was born in 1956. Right, okay. So that would make whoever it was old. <laughs> 63. 63 this year. I was very competitive in European sports car championships, achieving uh, praise from Eddie Jordan. Mm, Praise from Eddie Jordan is occasionally a rare thing, or misplaced. (laughs) Which is why when he finds a coffee table. For a 63-year-old, that's... You would think Eddie Jordan would be praising younger people. And don't forget, Jordan, Jordan was running um, Formula Three teams back in uh, back in sort of late seventies, early eighties. When he was selling carpets out the back of his car behind the bank he was working in. Now he just wears one on his head. I can answer this question for you with the next question. I made a few guest appearances in his Formula Three team. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a guess. Um. Sticking on the Irish side of things, possibly John Watson. Yeah, that. Irish people. Irish people do like praising other Irish people. I mean, that was that would have been round about the time when Formula One drivers were racing in other series alongside. Yeah, yeah. She got John Watson for the first guess. Uh, I have three wins, nine podiums, and 194 points. Can't remember now if Watson actually won any races. No, this is... Hmm. I think we might need to move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, My father, Paulie was 1968 European Rally Championship champion can't speak people with fathers called Paulie are usually also in the mafia I think people which have the first name of Paul and they decide to unabbreviate it to Paulie need damage done to them (laughs) (laughs) I'm called Paul and most people call me Pablo which is kind of an unabbreviation how's that work yeah, that's just weird <laughs> like, we, we can't get into that but no I got I got it called because I got accused of having siestas at work every afternoon that's absolutely tremendous that's it, the, that's the best version of a nickname I've ever got till, uh, since someone I, I knew lost his job and then was nicknamed U-Boat because he was always looking for a sub <laughs> <laughs> 
I used to know a guy in Leeds whose nickname was Brasso because that's what he ran his motorbike off for two weeks when he ran out of money and he couldn't afford <laughs> two stroke fuel. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway, move, moving swiftly on. <laughs> uh, I won my first World Rally Championship victory with uh, Talbot Sunbeam with the Talbot Sunbeam Lotus in 1980. Now better known as a Chrysler or a Peugeot. I have. Um, we're definitely looking at somebody from. I'm going to go from the British Isles. That's such an 80s sounding car name, a Talbot Sunbeam, isn't it? Yeah. It really I, is. I, I vaguely remember the car. They were similar to Nissan Sunnies, weren't they? Pretty much. Uh, th- you probably know it better these days, a Peugeot 205. Oh, is it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I I have no clue on No, on No, I don't know. Was that number six? Yeah. Oh, God, we need a guess. Um, did, sorry. What what year was it? The nineteen eighty. Uh, and it, it, I just noticed another line. Uh, it was the nineteen eighty Lo- uh, Lombard RAC Rally of Great Britain, just after my twenty fourth birthday. But realistically, I don't believe anything there helps. <laughs> um, all I know about the Lombard RAC Rally is they used to show it as a Top Gear special. And me and some colleagues of mine once held up a live night stage. Is that before uh, um, Top did, Gear went into the business of ent- entertaining people? Yes. <laughs> and it was when Noel, did, when did, Noel Edmonds used to be the presenter. I do love Noel. How much did you get away with when you held up the night stage? Oh. I, we've, I all ha- we've all had one tonight. <laughs> I approve. Um, on the subject of who the hell this is, I'm, I'm, I've now got less than no idea. <laughs> Negative ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really honestly don't know. Uh, Derek Daly. Why not? Yeah. We'll go, we'll go for Derek Daly as a second guess. I had the record of being the youngest driver to ever win a world uh, a world rally uh, until my countryman won the Swedish rally in two thousand and eight. So there's a good chance this could be somebody Nordic, Scandinavian. Uh, oh. It, they won a Swedish rally. I'm not. It, yeah, uh, but all, all the best rally drivers have been from Finland anyway. This is true. They, they are pretty good at it. Um, yeah, next clue. Yeah. After driving for Opel and Porsche, I signed for Lancia. Lancy is a nice word. I like that word. That I've got a feeling I'm going to know this when when, 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 you when hear we it. get told the answer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still... Next one. I was almost paralysed in 1985. 
Am I Superman? No, that was the 90s. Well, you have just taken your glasses off, so that means you were Clark Kent. I might be Sean. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's not Ginger. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is going to be... Kick yourself on it. Is there a clue 10? Do we have a clue 10 and a spaffer? Yep. Good. My last rally was in 1986. Was uh, was in 1986 in the Tour de Corsa. So I think we're looking for a rally driver here. <laughs> <laughs> what what makes you say that? Um, picked up one or two things that sound vaguely double Spaffer. Uh, the race of champions was organised in my honour by Michael M- Moton. Monton? No idea. Michelle Mouton. Michelle Mouton, yeah. And uh, so, wrong name, wrong sex, but you got yeah, there in the end. Well, do you know what the funny thing was? I I meant to say Mich- uh, Michelle, and then I accident. I, I was sp- I was spending so long trying to work out what the second name was. It all went wrong. And Frederick Johnson. Now. That screws up what one of my guesses would have been because I was thinking, could it be Michelle Mouton? No, it's not. Because she wouldn't have set up a, an event in her own honour. No. She's not, she's French, but not that French. <laughs> Sorry, honour. I do not have a clue. Um... Eighties, eighties rally driver. Um, too late for too late for Tony Pond. What a thought. Um, I'm going after rushes. I've got nothing. No, no. I th- this has beaten us. Uh. I can't even pronounce his second name. I am Henry Tavone. To- 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 fucking, you, you say that. <laughs> that is not the word for a dyslexic man. Henry Tovenen. Yeah. Yes. I have, I've, I've never heard of, heard of him. Unsurprisingly. Rally driver. A Finnish rally driver. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that, that, was a, that was an absolute sod. That was yeah. set in by... Oh, Santerio, Santerio Nasty. <laughs> oh, is that? Yeah, of course it is. Yes. I'm no good Who with Who is names. from Finland? <laughs> well, he, he, I, I remember him getting in touch with me about that and saying, do you think this is too too obscure? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, um, that was an absolutely, absolutely that, cracking one. That was one. quite tricky. Yes. Especially when there was only two of us. Definitely. And, and, and only one of us was actually... Coming up with any answers. And Flood's probably more the boy for Rally, actually, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we were at least one brain down. And, uh, and the T-Rex did nothing. <laughs> I forgot he was even here. No, no, he's, he's still he's, he's on Twitter as well. I've already, I've already tweeted the photo. Um, right, Formula Lee, it's time for a jump cut. And as promised, here is the Formula Lee jump cut. This week was Canada in a dry lap in a Renault. And uh, to get into the top 20, you needed 110.298 or faster. And the people that did that were 20th place, Marcel Streak. 19th was Pete Bull. 18th, Ross Tudnam. 
17th was Nick Betts. 16th was Gregory Zobel. 15th was Joe Marsh. Paul Robert Burley was in 14th. Rob McLowen, 13th. Ken Lauderback, 12th. Kyle Armstrong, 11th. On to the top 10. 10th place with a time of 109.597 was Veitcher Camping. In 9th was Adam Smith. 8th was Julian McMahon-Hyde. 7th, Alberto Roldan. 6th was James Holman. 5th was Josh McCarthy. And Ollie Vestley was in 4th. Top 3. With a time of 109.287, in 3rd was Alessandro Popolani. In 2nd, with 109.096, was Ricky Worrell. And winning again this week, he's on a streak this season, Chris Olby, with a time that smashed everybody else's, 108.579. Right, your next challenge is France, and that is going to be in the dry. It's also going to be in a Toro Rosso this time, and you've got until 7 o'clock UK, 2 o'clock Eastern, on June the 24th to get your times into us. That about does it for this week's Formula Lee. Um, I think that about does it for this week, doesn't it? Pretty much. Uh, if you want to get in touch, then get us on Twitter, at Three Legs Four Wheels, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Three Legs Four Wheels. If you're old school, I'm up to email Three Legs Four Wheels at gmail.com. Get us individually at... At Dan Dan Cotton. At It Shunt. At Pablo 100, at Flood 21, and at Sean Cowper as well. Um, don't forget the Patreon show, which we have already given a plug for slightly earlier. See, I got it. I got it in early this time. We should do it at the beginning of the show. I know we should do it at the beginning <laughs> of the show. I might actually just record a separate section so I drop it in every time. Yeah, that would. Or be... we just talk about it. Oh, we talk about it. We could... <laughs> don't, we, don't we talk about it enough? Um, we will be back next week with a preview of the French Grand Prix, and. Down if we get a chance, do you fancy doing a Le Mans preview show before Saturday? Because there is the 24 hours of Le Mans coming up with a lot of Formula One interest. Yeah, sounds good. I know you'll be recording one of your 70 trillion other podcasts busy, at the time. Busy so. weekend, yeah. Pe- um, people come check out Musi Audio, there's lots of stuff there. And uh, if you're watching Le Mans, we'll be, we'll be about on Twitter all weekend. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Ciao, Bye-bye.